Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into JFK in today's statistics episode. We reap the wind and the sky when the sun is high. We sail the length of the seas on the ocean breeze. At night we name every star. We know where we are. We know who we are, who we are. JFK is... Uh, a movie, a long, long movie that I had been, I don't know, I guess putting off for the fact of its length for a while now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I finally got around to seeing it uh, over the weekend. So I realized as I was watching it, it has everybody in it. So, so, so many people are in this movie. And I thought, you know. There hasn't been a real big movie like this since Infinity War that's come out in 2018. So I'll use this as a a statistics episode. It is recent enough that the vast majority of its cast are still alive. So uh, it does have that added bonus to it. And uh, it's a pretty pretty okay movie. It's a pretty, pretty okay movie. So statistics for JFK. I saw it August 17th, uh, 2018. I clocked it at 200 minutes, so almost three and a half hours. Uh, I believe I watched the uncut version, uh, which I think is like 10 to 15 minutes longer than the theatrical version, which was still enormously long, so, oh my goodness. It is a 1991 movie. And my summary is the conspiracy theory of the presidential assassination. If you haven't seen JFK, uh, the basic premise is that uh, Kevin Costner leads the way for a legal team and its peripherals to uncover the truth about the assassination of JFK, uh, which is, I believe the film goes out of its way to not try to be factually accurate but more so presents an alternative reality uh and and that's fascinating you know i'm not a history buff i knew some but not much of what really supposedly happened during the jfk assassination and i probably know more about this movie and and the way it pretends that the truth happened than what really did or, or what you know, historians agree really did. So, I don't know, it throws a lot of that up into the air, uh, which is a good thing, I think. I think that's a that's a strong message that the film sends, and, and, you know, overall just kind of pointing out, hey, facts aren't always what they seem to be. Uh, you have to know who the facts are coming from, so on and so forth, which feels very, very relevant in today's, in today's, political climate. So, uh, yeah, the conspiracy theory of the presidential assassination. I gave it a 63. It's good. It's it's very, very long. And as a three and a half hour movie, while it definitely moves at a pace uh, more than capable of holding your attention, there are a lot of, a lot of segments and sequences in the film that are, are just uh, languid, very languid, and uh, that's 
that is what it is, I guess. So 63, it has an 83% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, that puts it one spot behind the double life of Veronique, 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 Veronique uh, I believe is how it's pronounced, um, in, 20, in 1991's overall score, and one spot ahead of Point Break. Point Break. JFK is directed by one Oliver Stone, who's from New York. This is the seventh film credit of his I've seen. It increases his average film rating to a 56 even. It is the third film of his I've seen, rated in the 60s, and third best movie of his overall, coming in behind Natural Born Killers and ahead of Snowden. He was nominated for Best Director for this film, but did not win. It increases his film value to a 1.5 and his overall score to a 45.06, which moves him up to 293rd overall, one spot behind Sofia Coppola, and one spot ahead of Eric Darnell. Eric Darnell is the director of Ants, with a Z, and Madagascar 3, Europe's Most Wanted. Oliver Stone. The writer, writers of the film, uh, include Oliver Stone. Uh, this is his ninth writing credit that I've seen, increasing his film average to a 60.89. It is the fourth film of his rated in the 60s and fifth best movie overall, coming in behind Natural Born Killers and ahead of Snowden. He was also nominated for an Oscar for the screenplay, uh, for an uh, adapted screenplay, which he did not win. It improved his value to a four, his score to a 53.82, uh, to rank him 180th overall, which puts him one spot behind John L. Balderston, who is the writer for the Oscar-nominated writer for the movie Gaslight. He also was credited on Bride of Frankenstein, Dracula, and The Last of the Mohicans. Oliver Stone is one spot ahead of Kelly Whiteman, who is a credited writer on Tarzan, Hercules, and The Hunchback of Notre Dame, all the Disney animated versions. But... Oliver Stone was not alone in writing JFK. He got some help on the screenplay from Zachary Sklar. It's the only film credit I have for him. Uh, he was also nominated for an Oscar for the screenplay. He has a value of 0.5 and a score of 21.5, ranking him 3,369th overall, tied with Jim and Garrison and Jim Mars, who were credited as writing material that led to the film's screenplay, uh, but were not nominated for an Oscar uh, for their for their contributions. They are also ranked 3,369th, along with Zachary Sklar. They are tied with a bunch of other people um, that I... There's like over 100 people tied at this spot. Eh, about 50, 50 to 70. Um, but they are ahead of Matt Ember and Tom J. Astle, who are the writers of... The animated film Epic, the animated film Home, and Failure to Launch. And this giant group of people tied at this one spot are behind Michael Doherty, who is a writer on Superman Returns, Trick or Treat, and X-Men colon Apocalypse. There we go. Those are the writers for the film. Moving on to the actors. We've got a lot of them, so this is going to take some time. First up, <clears throat> going from top to bottom, is Jack Lemmon. This is Jack Lemmon's ninth film credit that I've seen. 
it drops his average film rating to a 73.89. It is the second film of his that I rated in the 60s and seventh best movie overall, coming in behind his role as himself in The Player and the movie Grumpy Old Men. It is his ninth film, it improves his value to nine, and his score is now 69.45, ranking him 131st overall, one spot behind Takeshi Kato, and one spot ahead of Iso Kimura, two Japanese actors. Uh, Next is Laurie Metcalf. This is her 15th film credit and drops her average film rating to a 67.27. It is her third film rated rated in the 60s and ninth best movie overall, coming in behind her voice role in Treasure Planet and ahead of her role as herself in The Story Behind Toy Story. She has a value of 10 and a score of 69.35. She is ranked 133rd overall, one spot behind Isao Kimura, and one spot ahead of M. Emmett Walsh. Laurie Metcalf. Next up is Tommy Lee Jones. This is his 24th film credit and increases his average film rating to a 61.42. It is his sixth film rated in the 60s and 13th best movie overall. Uh, Coming in behind Natural Born Killers and ahead of Blue Sky. He was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for his role in JFK, but did not win. He improved his film value to an 8, and his score to a 64.69, ranking him 266th overall. Tied with Michael Parks, one spot behind Henry Daniel, who was in My Fair Lady, The Comancheros, and Holiday. And Tommy Lee Jones is one spot ahead of Marsha Jean Kurtz from Dog Day Afternoon and Inside Man. Next is Martin Sheen, credited as the narrator of the film. This is his 16th film credit and drops his average film rating to a 63.71. It is his fifth film rated in the 60s and 11th best movie overall, coming in behind Seeking a Friend for the End of the World and ahead of Apocalypse Now. He has a film value of 7.5 and a score of 64.13. He is ranked 289th overall, one spot behind F. Murray Abraham, and one spot ahead of Verna Felton, who is credited as a voice actor in Cinderella, Dumbo, and The Jungle Book, among others. Next is Sissy Spacek. This is her 14th film credit and drops her average film rating to a 64.36. It is her fourth film rated in the 60s and ninth best movie overall. Coming in behind The Straight Story and ahead of her Oscar-winning performance from Coal Miner's Daughter. She has a value of 7 and a score of 63.31. She is ranked 323rd overall, one spot behind Lee Van Cleef, and one spot ahead of John Gallagher Jr. Next up is Gary Oldman, who plays Lee Harvey Oswald. This is his 40th, the big 4-0 film credit that I've seen, and increases his average film rating to a 57.58. It is his sixth film, rated in the 60s, and 19th best movie overall, coming in behind The Book of Eli and ahead of his performance or his role as himself in Heath Ledger colon a tribute. It improves his film value to a 7.5 and his score to a 62.33.
tying him with Spike Jones as an actor, one spot behind Peter Gallagher, one spot ahead of Arthur Q. Bryan. Gary Oldman is ranked 368th overall. After him is Kevin Bacon. This is Kevin Bacon's 30th film credit and improves his average film rating to a 58.33. It is his sixth <clears throat> sixth film rated in the 60s and 15th best movie overall. Coming in behind Crazy Stupid Love and ahead of Tour de Pharmacy. He has a film value of 7.5 and a score of 62.19, ranking him 372nd, very close to Gary Oldman. He is one spot behind Philip Baker Hall, one spot ahead of Carrie Elwes. Next up is Wayne Knight. This is his 13th film credit and drops his average film rating to a 64.15. It is his fifth film rated in the 60s and seventh best movie overall. Coming in behind Space Jam and ahead of his voice role in Kung Fu Panda 3. He has a value of 5.5 and a score of 61.1, ranking him 432nd overall. One spot behind Gene Wilder, one spot ahead of Dennis O'Hare. Next is Brian Doyle-Murray. This is his 15th film credit and improves his average film rating to a 61.8. It is his 6th film rated in the 60s and 9th best movie overall, coming in behind Scrooged and ahead of Ghostbusters 2. He has a value of 5.5 and a score of 60.03, ranking him 502nd overall. One spot behind Jolo Truglio from Brooklyn Nine-Nine and one spot ahead of a couple of people tied below him, including Mary Gordon, David Destmalchian, and Werner Herzog. Next up is John Candy. This is his 19th film credit and improves his average film rating to a 59.76. It is his third film rated in the 60s and ninth best movie overall, coming in behind the animated role that he had in The Rescuers Down Under and ahead of Stripes. He has a value of 3.5 and a score of 56.97, ranking him 714th overall. One spot behind Colleen Camp and one spot ahead of Douglas M. Griffin. Douglas M. Griffin, who was in 10 Cloverfield Lane, Dallas Buyers Club, and This Is The End, among others. Next up is... Honorary Academy Award winner Donald Sutherland. This is his 27th film credit and increases his average film rating to a 56.93. It is his 7th film rated in the 60s and 14th best movie overall. Coming in behind The Hunger Games, colon, Mockingjay Part 1 and ahead of The Mechanic. He has a value of 2, a score of 55 even, and is ranked 864th overall. Tied with Connie Britton, and Georges Melier. He is one spot behind Ashley Johnson and Derek Luke, and one spot ahead of Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt. Below that is the titular, or not titular, but the leading man, Kevin Costner. This is his 22nd film credit. Improves his average film rating to a 57.23. It is his fifth film rated in the 60s and 11th best movie overall, coming in behind Open Range and ahead of Molly's Game. He has a value of 2 
and a score of 54.46. He is ranked 919th overall, one spot behind uh, character actress Margot Martindale, and one spot ahead of Ileana Douglas. Next up is <clears throat> Michael Rooker. This is his 14th film credit and improves his average film rating to a 58.57. It is his third film rating in the 60s and seventh best movie overall, coming in behind Bastard Out of Carolina and ahead of Super. He has a value of 2, a score of 53.25, and is ranked 1,025th overall, tied with Cheech Marin and um, Lenny James. He is one spot behind Matthew McFadden, and one spot ahead of Tom Holland, Spider-Man himself. <clears throat> Next is Peter Maloney. This is his seventh film credit and keeps his average film rating at an even 63. That doesn't happen very often. It is his second film rated in the 60s and fifth best movie overall, coming in behind The Crucible and ahead of The Appointments of Dennis Jennings, which is actually a Oscar believe winning short film uh, he has a value of 3.5 and a score of 52.5 ranking him 1090th overall tied with powers booth the late powers booth uh, ellen page and toby jones he is one spot behind sheila kelly who was in mozart and the whale uh, the guest nurse betty and matchstick men and he is one spot ahead of Robert Hobbs, who is in District 9 and Invictus. Next is Vincent D'Onofrio. This is his 17th film credit and improves his average film rating to a 55.29. It is his second film rating in the 60s and seventh best movie overall, coming in behind Sinister and ahead of The New Tenants. He has a value of 1.5 and a score of 50.97. He is ranked 1,260th overall. One spot behind Kana Hanazawa, who is a Japanese voice actor, and John Saxon from From Dusk Till Dawn and A Nightmare on Elm Street. D'Onofrio is one spot ahead of Fred Melamed from In a World and A Serious Man. Next is Frank Whaley. This is his 10th film credit and improves his average film rating to a 57.8. It is his only film rated in the 60s and fourth best movie overall, coming in behind Field of Dreams and ahead of Ironweed. He has a value of 2.5 and a score of 50.67, ranking him 1,286th overall, tied with Lena Dunham, Dave Grawl, uh, Kate Siegel, and Peggy Ashcroft, and he is one spot behind Ah Sung Ko, who was in uh, Snowpiercer, among others, and Whaley is one spot ahead of Rocky, Sylvester Stallone. After that is Pruitt Taylor Vince. This is his 16th film credit and improves his average film rating to a 54.94. It is his second film rated in the 60s, and Eighth best movie overall, coming in behind Natural Born Killers and ahead of Butter. He has a value of zero and a score of 48.83, ranking him 1,477th overall, tied with Henry Wilcoxon and Teresa Wright. 
<clears throat> Jason Wright, Oscar winner for Mrs. Miniver. Uh, Pruitt Taylor Vince is one spot behind Richard E. Grant and one spot ahead of Kate Burton. Kate Burton from 127 Hours or The Ice Storm. Next up is Walter Matthau. This is his ninth film credit and third or fifth best film overall. It is his third film rated in the 60s. One spot behind Hello Dolly and one spot ahead of Grumpy Old Men. He has a value of 1.5 and a score of 48.68, ranking him 1,495th overall. A spot behind Stephen Delane from Game of Thrones and a spot ahead of Mimi Kennedy and Jeannie Berlin. Jeannie Berlin, Oscar nominee for The Heartbreak Kid. Below that is J.O. Sanders. This is his 10th film credit and improves his average film rating to a 56.5. It is his third film rated in the 60s and third best movie overall, coming in behind Glory and ahead of The Day After Tomorrow. He has a value of 1, a score of 48.08, and is ranked 1,561st overall, tied with Olga, excuse me, Olga Kurlenko, one spot behind uh, last year's Oscar, this this past year's Oscar nominee Timothy Chalamet, and one spot ahead of Haley Steinfeld. Next is Tony Plana. This is his seventh film credit and improves his average film rating to a fifty-nine even. He has uh, it is his third film rated in the sixties and third best movie overall, coming in behind An Officer and a Gentleman and ahead of Three Amigos, exclamation point. He has a value of one, a score of 46.89, and is ranked 1,704th overall, just behind Stephen Fry, and just ahead of Frank Langella. Then you have Joe Pesci, and his 12th film credit, improving his average film rating to a 53.42. It is his only film rated in the 60s, and fifth, Best movie overall, coming in behind his Oscar-winning performance for Goodfellas and ahead of his role in Home Alone. He has a value of negative 2 and a score of 43.79. He is ranked 2,106th overall, one spot behind a couple of people including William Shatner and Anders Holm. He is one spot ahead of Katie Asselton. Next up is Dale Dye. This is his 11th film credit and improves his average film rating to a 51.55. It is his second film rated in the 60s and fifth best movie overall, coming in behind Natural Born Killers and ahead of Starship Troopers. He has a film value of negative one and a score of 42.62, ranking him 2,263rd overall, tied with Lee Pace, and one spot behind Diane Lane, and one spot ahead of Molly Ringwald and Miley Cyrus. Next up is Lolita Davidovich. This is her fifth film credit and improves her average film rating to a 57.8. It's her first film rated in the 60s and third best movie overall, coming in behind Leap of Faith and ahead of Hollywood Homicide. 
She has a value of 0.5 and a score of 41.79, ranking her 2,381st overall, tied with Patrick Wilson, uh, one spot behind Jiman Hansu, and one spot ahead of Amaya Miller. Amaya Miller, who played uh, the young human girl in War for the Planet of the Apes. She was also in Lights Out. Next is Edward Asner. This is his 13th film credit and improves his average film rating to a 42.92. It is his second film rated in the 60s and fifth best movie overall, coming in behind his role as himself in I Know That Voice and behind his voice role in Olive, The Other Reindeer. Uh, He has a value of negative 8 and a score of 29.2, ranking him 3,780th overall, one spot behind Abigail Spencer, and one spot ahead of uh, Eddie Redmayne. Further down the list is John Larroquette. This is his fifth film credit and improves his average film rating to a 40.4. It is his only film rated in the 60s and best movie overall, coming in ahead of Stripes. He has a value of negative 3.5 and a score of 25.36, ranking him 4,074th overall. One spot behind Jack Thompson, and one spot ahead of Norman Wisdom, Michael Chekhov, Tony Bill, Arthur Hiller, Janet McTeer, and Howard Rollins. Five of the six of those names have only had one film credit (laughs) on my list. Um, But they're there. Uh, the one that doesn't is Janet McTeer, who was in Albert Nobbs, Oscar nominee for Albert Nobbs, as well as Hannah Arendt. Next up is Gary Grubbs. This is his 11th film credit and improves his average film rating to a 38.27. It is his first film rated in the 60s and second best movie overall, coming in behind Runaway Jury and ahead of Battleship. Uh, he has a value of negative 9.5 and a score of 22.88, ranking him 4,239th overall, one spot behind Ashley Green, and one spot ahead of Oscar nominee Carol Channing. And those are all the actors that have credit in JFK. Big list, long list, a lot of really, really big names. Um, especially in the 90s, early 90s. Whew. All right, moving on to genre. JFK, rated 63 from 1991, is a drama and a thriller. It improves the average rating of dramas to 59.17 and the average rating of thrillers to 52.05. It is a 1 on the Bechdel test giving it a, uh, dropping the average Bechdel rating for a movie to 1.42. It is rated R, and it does not appear on any top movie lists that I currently track on this spreadsheet. At the Academy Awards, though, it had a lot of success. Uh, It was nominated eight times for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Supporting Actor, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best original score, best cinematography, best film editing, winning, or and best sound before they split the sound categories into two. It won best cinematography and best film editing, uh, falling short in the other six categories. 
it was or is currently the second most nominated film from 1991 that I've seen behind Bugsy, which also won two Oscars. Whew, that was the year Silence of the Lambs won Best Picture. Uh, and a lot of other stuff along with it. Um, <clears throat> moving forward to the year 1991. This is the 42nd film of this year that I have seen. It improves the average rating of those films to 62.86. It improves the tomato meter of those films to 73.14. Uh, I have now seen uh, films representing 19 Academy Award wins from that year and 67 Academy Award nominations. There are 23 and 105 uh, total wins and nominations to see. Um, as a drama, it is the 21st drama of the year that I have seen, and as a thriller, it is the ninth thriller. It counts as a good movie, having a 60 or better rating, uh, which makes it the 24th good movie I've seen from 1991, improving the ratio of good to bad movies from 1991 to an even two. 24 to 12. As a 1 on the Bechtel test, it represents 33.33% of the films from that year as having a 1 uh, on the Bechtel test. And as an R-rated movie, it is the 14th R-rated movie I have seen from 1991. Whew. Uh, furthermore, as a film rated 63, it is one of the current 103 films I have seen with the rating of 63. If we go back and look at 1992, there's one film from 1992 rated a 63, and that is Singles. If we go to 1990, there is also another a film rated a 63, and that is Arachnophobia. So, I don't know. Uh, if that's good company, uh, that's, that's totally up to you, I guess, to make that judgment call. Um, yeah, JFK, that's pretty much it. Um, as far as statistics are concerned, it's a lot. It, it was a big, big impact on the spreadsheet in that sense. Um, I don't know uh, if if it makes it into the Circle of Film Awards when I get back to 1991. Uh, I haven't done any work. I, I mean, I haven't even finished working on 2011 yet, so more than 20 years of, to go before I can get to it. But uh, we'll see. Maybe it it it's certainly a, a very sprawling and all-inclusive film uh, in that regard. So uh, that those are the statistics for JFK. That's that's it. Uh, thank you for listening to today's episode. If you would like to find more episodes, more information, anything about the podcast, about the spreadsheet, about all the things I'm working on, you can head over to circleoffilm.com to find a lot of that. If you would like to get in touch with me for any reason at all, you can find me on Twitter at Circle of Film or through email, circleoffilm at gmail.com. Uh, and if you would like to support the show, you can do so on patreon.com slash circleoffilm for as little as eight cents an episode. I want to thank you for listening one more time, and as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same goodnight. I know she'll never even as she fades from view. So long, farewell, I'll be your saint adieu. In the name.
nyumin diri. <tuk>